Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I see you've got your water bottle there. I have. How's that working out for you? Brilliant, yeah. 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 It's changed my life. You have a water bottle? I've discovered water. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I've discovered I think somebody else had already I've discovered I've also discovered uh, fresh air recently. And you need that? Food. What? Fresh air? Fresh air? To survive? Well, it's nice, isn't it? It makes you feel a bit better. Um, this is getting stupid. <laughs> happy birthday to Dan's girlfriend. Yes. Who is cycling around the world. I thought you were going to say her age then. No. <laughs> oh, no. She's 29. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Uh, she's cycling around the world, is that right? Uh, kind of, yeah. She's doing a tour next uh, this the next few months mm-hmm. um, of a Shakespeare play called The Tempest, which you might have heard of. And the, the sort of... Uh, little angle that they're taking is that it's on bikes so they tour around on bikes and they have to cycle up to 30 miles a day well um, but they're going around the UK they're coming to Germany they're going to Zimbabwe so yeah well, it should be glad interesting glad she picked February to do it <laughs> no it's going to be in the summer to be <laughs> fair oh, okay. so yeah um, cycling 30 miles a day yeah for how long uh, I think the tour lasts about three or four weeks so it's quite intense yeah <laughs> And then they have to perform the play at night? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So they wake up in the morning, cycle 30 miles, do a play, go to bed, wake up in the morning, cycle 30 miles, and so on and so forth. <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> That's my question too, Isabelle, you'd have to ask her. But why don't. does... I don't... I, get, away, get away from Dan. <laughs> why does... Like, is it like, some sort of climate thing or something? Like, uh, to promote climate change? No, or? nothing to do with that. I think um, if you want to get sort of fun, like brand, funding from the Arts Council, right. you have to have a bit of a... Uh, like... No, you just have to have a bit of an angle on what you're doing. You can't just say, we want to do a tour of Shakespeare, because it's mm-hmm. like, well, everyone wants to do that. It's mm-hmm. like, but we're going to do it on bikes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, here's some money. Did you, I know you famously <laughs> played bass in a band. I did, yes. Did you ever perform, like, in a school play or anything like that? Uh, I did, actually, yeah. 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 I was a, I, one time I wanted to be an actor. That was my... Um, what? That was my ambition. Yeah. 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 And I got a, I got an A star at drama, in GCSE drama. I got full marks, and my tutor said, I've never seen anyone get full marks before. So <laughs> you thought you were the next big thing. Well, uh, there's still time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was, your, what was your thing? Were you like more we, of a Johnny Depp sort of Danny, or like more of a, not, not quite Danny We, Vito, we actually, um, Danny our final project, which I got full marks for, we did an episode of The Office, mm-hmm. the Ricky Gervais Office, you know, the one where he gets the guitar out and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. We did that and I was Brent and then that was our, because <laughs> okay. I got like, a, I got like an office script book. For, no, somewhere. there wasn't, unfortunately. I got like an office script book for Christmas one year. So we were like, mm-hmm. okay, let's do this. And yeah, there you wow. go. Maybe next time you're on, <clears throat> you could bring the guitar. Um, I've forgotten how to play it now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all bang that. We're all bang Nobody that. wants me to bring the guitar. Okay. <laughs> well, joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football podcast is Acting's Dan Burke. Hello. Andre Gonzalez. Hi. And Lewis Ambrose. Hello. One Football, our oh, One Football podcast at One Football is where you want to send those emails if you have any questions for us. Uh, you, th- you know, ones that you think we can answer. Nothing too philosophical, nothing too science-based but uh, other than that send them on over now I had planned to start today's podcast with some Arsenal chat but then Kevin Prince Boateng (laughs) decided to join Barcelona and now nothing in the world makes sense at all can somebody explain why Kevin Prince Boateng is now a Barcelona player and last night made his debut for Barcelona Andre (laughs) I'm as surprised as uh, everyone I would say Um, 
I, I cannot see the angle on this one. Maybe you can help me. <laughs> but if Barca were looking for a number nine, uh, Boateng is not exactly a number nine, not a traditional one. So I don't think he's going to fix the problem when it comes to lack of presence uh, inside the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's going to be incredible for us because we're going to have a lot to talk about and write about. And uh, it's going to be nice to see I was, the, I was going to be the shirt, jersey sales in, <laughs> yeah. in Barcelona. I think <laughs> we're going to have a lot of people just buying Princess shirts because mm. that's what you get on it the looks, back. Like. I, I, I've seen it. It looks great. Yeah. What, the fact that he has Prince on the back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty mm. cool. Is he yeah. number 99? That would have been pretty cool. 19. I think he's 19, think, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, oh, It's yeah. good in a party like yeah, it's 99. Let's <laughs> see where I'm going with that. see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> smart. So, yeah, honestly, I, I don't see the point of signing Kevin Prince-Boateng at the age of 31. He, he goes from Sassuolo to Barcelona at the age of 31. I don't... I, it's I'm, so odd. So, it's really <laughs> Is weird. he essentially a type of replacement for Suarez? Definitely not. No, but I mean... <laughs> no, I mean, not in that sense. But I mean, as in, can come off the bench and give Suarez a little bit of rest. That's the idea, right? But, they're, but, when but they're playing easy home games. But there's, they're so different. The way that they both play, it's so different. The alternative, they sold Munir El Haddadi to Sevilla already. They didn't have... Yeah, Messi obviously can play in that position, but if they want to rest Suarez, they presumably want to rest Messi as well. It's three years in a row that Barcelona didn't reach the quarterfinals of the Champions, uh, past the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So I think they've found a cheap short-term option to give Suarez a rest before big Champions League games and give Messi a rest before big Champions League games. It started off well for him. 2-0 defeat to Sevilla last night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Henry McKenzie emailing in asking, what is the weirdest, craziest transfer rumour or indeed transfer you've seen in the last five years? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say Kevin Prince Boateng. Yeah. Leroy Sané was linked to Man United quite recently. I think it was in the summer, just gone, which I found a bit bizarre. Even he was, I think he went on Twitter and was like, what, yeah, where that's the hell is this weird, but from? if you analyse the the clubs and the quality of the player, you might think, okay, it might something absolutely crazy happen and yeah. he goes from one rival to the other. But with, with Boateng, is the, the lack of uh, logic is just <laughs> insane. <laughs> I mean, they already bought Paulinho, right? So that was kind of... Yeah, but, but, but I can see Paulinho being useful in some games. Yeah. But with Kevin Prince-Boateng, I just don't see it. And uh, I remember seeing Boateng playing for uh, the Setien's Las Palmas. And it was quite decent there. Hmm. But it was not even the best one on the, uh, playing for Las Palmas. But it was decent. He was still playing really well. I know, it's, I know this sentence sounds stupid. He was still playing really well for Frankfurt last year. And he's he's obviously gone to Sassuolo and played pretty well. I know he's not a striker, but he's been playing as a striker for Sassuolo. I think it doesn't... It's, it's really weird. But I think I can see where they're coming from. I mean, the move to Sassuolo was about family reasons, right? He wanted to be closer to his wife and daughter, I believe. Which uh, would explain no, that. But, I mean, but can, I mean, like, from yeah. Barcelona's yeah, perspective, oh, okay, like, yeah, I, yeah. Can, I can see the idea behind it that mm-hmm. you bring in a cheap guy who's experienced, who's, is, I think, another thing when you sign players, it's just often you don't know how players are going to settle in a new country, but he's lived in loads of countries, he's played in Spain before, you know that's not going to be a big problem. And he's just going to play at home against Ibar, as your owner, 
in the league games. It's quite low risk, isn't it? Really? I think yeah. I, yeah. like it's not like he's 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 going to have to score ten goals for them to win the league. Suarez and Messi are still going to play every single important match. They're still going to play every single if, Champions if, League. If game. you're Barcelona and you're going uh, to buy or to get someone in the the transfer window of January, you need to get someone that can actually bring something new. Well, why? Why can't you just because get someone that lets you get rest Suarez in your easy home match? Because if you want to do that, you go for a guy who actually brings something into the club. But well, I think if we you see, want to we do see this, a lot of January. You just, you just promote a kid from the B team, go to the academy. But that's that's drying up, isn't it? That's a problem yeah. at Barcelona. I think that the, the academy is not as good as it used to be, which is why they're having to bring in players like Paulinho and Kevin Prince. They could have gone and signed Piontek, who's just signed for AC Milan for 35 million euros yesterday. But what if he flops? Then you've sunk 35 million euros it's gone this is there's no risk and it means that Messi Suarez are going to be fresh for their Champions League games how how much is he costing 8 million 8 million Boateng yeah, yeah, just yeah, for the for six like months, fee, isn't it? Yeah. Even six Dan months alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my idea is like it, it doesn't make any sense uh, for for a guy like Boateng. With all due respect, if you wanna, if you're Barcelona, you go and get a kid from the the the, the academy. It, it doesn't make any sense to spend eight million for Boateng to play. I don't know. He's gonna play like 10, 12 games in six months. And it's going to cost eight million. Is that a good business decision? When well, you, I don't think Barcelona make many good business decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's that. that's another. Story. But I think that, I just think, from my point of view, this transfer is more about Suarez and Messi getting a break sometimes and not having to throw a seventeen-year-old or an eighteen-year-old into La Liga games that could cost Barcelona. I think it's about resting Suarez and Messi with a kind of an with a, an established player coming in after Pacquiao left in the summer. El Haddadi's gone. They needed something more than just throwing an 18-year-old into the team. Could have gone for that Neymar guy at PSG. He's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> uh, anything crazier or weirder than Boateng going to Barcelona? Nothing that surprising, I don't think. Gonzalo Higuain to Chelsea. Michael Owen to Man United was quite weird back in the day, wasn't it? That was a bit odd, I'll give <laughs> yeah, you that. Yeah, was. that was odd. Um, so, Iguain deal is done. Anybody... I don't think this is going to be good. Am I alone in this? I, I mean, good for Chelsea. I mean, uh, can, it, can it be worse than Morata? No. I think he's going to be a slight improvement on he's him. He's got fewer he's, goals than Morata this season. Yeah, but... I mean, one, one is greater than zero. Quite a poor Milan team, wasn't he? I think he's still one of the best finishers around. I don't think you ever lose that, do you? He might have lost a bit of pace over the last couple of years, but I can see him. I can see him probably getting ten goals between now and the end of the season for Chelsea. I think it's an all right deal on a loan. I think yeah. if they'd have, or if they they still could, they've got an option to sign him permanently. I think it's thirty six million yeah. euros. Juventus yeah. said. I think if they sign him permanently, they'd be making a massive mistake. He the turns, last turns thirty two soon. It's yeah. going to be a year and a half. They're going to pay nine million for six months, another eighteen million for the next season. Yeah. The the money involved for a loan of a year and a half for Iguain is if you look at the market these days is quite decent I, I, I never thought I would say this but it's actually quite decent and uh, the fact that Sarri knows him so well and they clicked so well at Napoli I can see him doing uh, a good second half of the season at Chelsea okay why would they go for him and then say not bring back Bachuayi the, the the whole case with Batshuayi is really weird. Mm. I, I don't get why the, the they had the same uh, struggle at Valencia now. Um, 
I don't see why so many uh, managers don't like Batshuayi. Hmm. It's really odd, to be honest. He seems, way- to, he seems to have the complete package for me. Yeah, me too, me yeah. too. Um, it might not be mature enough, I don't know. It might be a personal thing, the way he behaves or whatever, but when it comes to football, on the pitch, he has he has it all, so I don't get what's the problem with Batshuayi. I really don't get it. It's an odd one. And speaking of Barcelona, they also signed Frankie De Jong. Indeed. Uh, for was it eighty five million in the end? Uh, yeah, eighty six. Eighty six million, just the eighty six. <laughs> Who's seen him play? Once or twice. Yeah. 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 Okay. What do you make? Because well, I don't. I have a daughter. I don't have time for looking at. <laughs> well, I. I mean, he'd, he'd been linked with City and PSG as well. Oh, you're, I, dev- you're devastated. I really, really wanted him, yeah. And there was okay. there was a point when it looked like City were quite close. It was a point when it looked like PSG were quite close to getting him. I just think he would have been the missing piece of the puzzle for Guardiola's mm-hmm. City, really. And He did talk to City, didn't he? Apparently so, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, so what type of player are you missing out on? Would it have been a replacement for uh, Fernandinho? Fernandinho, probably, yeah. I mean, he's a... Uh, Barcelona in their announcement on their website described him as outstandingly versatile mm-hmm. which is uh, I think a good way it's, of putting it he can play yeah, it is. in pretty much every midfield position great on the ball great passing great vision tactically, tactically he's so good, yeah. evolved he's 21 he looks like he's 30 that's what uh, for me it's, it's the most surprising thing about, about the young so I, mature on the pitch I think the most exciting thing about this is that Barcelona already have Carlos Elena who's just started getting appearances for the first team they have Arthur who's really been good since he joined from Gremio in the summer but all three of them Ricky Puig I think as well yeah, from the youth team and all three or four of them can play not just one role in midfield so yeah. I don't know if you say like the very then not going to reach these levels but that very Barcelona midfield of Busquets, Xavi and Iniesta De Jong can kind of take on the role of any of them and Arthur as well could play in any of those three roles and Valverde or whoever is the next coach of Barcelona is going to have a lot of fun figuring out the best way to mm. get that midfield working Frankie uh, De Jong is one of those players as well that I would recommend that you watch a YouTube compilation of his oh yeah yeah put your own music on in the background because the music's always terrible on those things isn't it but just sit back and watch watch what he does and it's really it's always some sort of emo rock or hard rock or something or like hardcore France or something yeah yeah, yeah. France, yeah I hate young successful versatile people like Frankie Dion <laughs> getting on in life he looks a bit like Macaulay Culkin as well which <laughs> he does a little right? yeah. okay without the Michael Jackson friendship um, so that's transfers done with I think we can move on to actual football and the biggest game of the weekend which is Arsenal Manchester United so it's lucky we have an Arsenal expert in the house Andre <laughs> in, not me uh, not, not quite Andre in you Lewis uh, we did talk a bit about Ozil last week but didn't quite delve that deep into Arsenal stuff uh, so on the surface it seems like so much is going right for the club but it's not quite the that's not quite the case if you kind of scratch below the surface a little bit yeah I mean, so on the pitch it's been a bit of a strange season Arsenal of I think everybody could agree that in the last few years of Arsene Wenger's reign the defence was the big problem it's what was costing Arsenal and eventually is the reason that Wenger left um, well that's no no better than it ever was I mean, before the weekend so the Arsenal obviously beat Chelsea at the weekend with the fourth clean sheet of the season in the Premier League hmm. only um, and before that it would there was a the defeat to West Ham and after 22 games Arsenal conceded more goals this season than in any season under Arsene Wenger uh, which after spending 
best part of 70 million on a new goalkeeper on Socrates on Lucas Torreira is was a bit of a surprise I think if there was one thing you expected Unai Emery to do it was fix the defence first mm-hmm. and let the talents of Ozil and Aubameyang and Lacazette just score the odd goal and probably get along and the fo- football would be a bit boring but nobody would really mind but the defence hasn't actually been fixed so is that a it's per- a strange one is that a personnel thing like just the players aren't good enough or is it because well, I just, I or just, is it just because Emery hasn't invested enough time in it oh, what, why is I it I think it's a mixture I think I think it's a strange one Arsenal signed Leno Socrates and Lucas Torreira for three sort of players to fix the defence Torreira's obviously a midfielder but the whole idea is that he wins the ball back a lot um yeah, as I said, best part of 70 million on the three players and everybody pretty unanimously agrees that they've all done pretty well. So the idea that Arsenal are letting in more goals with three signings who are doing better than the players they've replaced doesn't really stack up. Um, I, yeah, I think Emery hasn't had the time to, or to really get across his ideas to the players really drill into them the way that he wants them to play not so far anyway mm-hmm. the big thing that Arsenal are better in is the big games we saw it against Tottenham against Liverpool and against Chelsea all at home Arsenal looked way more organised way more like they had a plan than any of those games last season or in the past few seasons I think we'll see soon we've got Man United coming up on Friday we'll see soon how it comes out in away games you've still got to go to Manchester City still got to play Tottenham away from home I think at home it's a lot easier you've got the crowd behind you these games and if you look at the last few years in the Premier League since the sort of big six formed it's very rare that they win away from home against Mm. each other so the home advantage there is obviously a big thing Um, the stats behind it are quite incredible 29 points from 12 home games 15 points from 11 away games yeah it was a similar story last season as well I think last season the team just won three away games all season in the Premier League Um, it's hard to explain everybody's better at home than they are away ultimately but the the size of the difference for Arsenal is a little bit of a strange one so he hasn't fixed the defence they're still rubbish on the road what exactly has Emery done then what's the, what are the positive things okay, they went, you talk about the big games they went paintball in this week <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean he's lost Ramsey Ozil has been frozen out I mean at least like, I mean, at least uh, yeah I think there's there's you have to give time to these things but I think there are reasons for mild concern so far Arsenal are not as or don't look as good going forward as they did last year and they don't look any better at the back so you wonder what it's been sacrificed for I think almost you'd want Emery in charge of these games against Chelsea and Manchester United and Tottenham and then bring Arsene Wenger back to deal with the <laughs> Huddersfields and Burnleys of the league because Arsenal have never had a problem putting those away what a great idea that would be right? <laughs> joint management like that um any I mean so you've got mild cause for worry any mild cause for optimism oh I think those big games especially the game against Chelsea was probably Arsenal's best performance under Emery so far at the weekend 2-0 at home against a a fellow Mm. Champions League contender and they cruised up yeah it was the the first half was brilliant the second half just the team just saw it out they were sensible Um, and there was a lot of pressure on as well if Arsenal lost to Chelsea they would have been nine points behind wave goodbye to the Champions League for another year Mm -hmm. so 
it was a big, big game. It was a big performance. And now with Man United this week in the FA Cup, there's a big chance to get some momentum, get everybody believing. I think another thing in Emery's defence um, is the injuries over the last six weeks or so. The injuries have really piled up. It's not got any better. Hector Bellerin was uh, horribly injured against Chelsea. He'll be out probably for the beginning of next season as well. But uh, Arsenal, over the past few weeks, they've played games without Mustafi. They lost Rob Holding, probably out for the season uh, in early December. They've just been sort of getting by. Danny Welbeck was really important to the squad early in the season. He just brought something different. He seemed to understand what Emery wanted from both his striker, but also if he was playing out wide. And that was lost. Mkhitaryan's been injured the last few weeks. So I think that contributed to the poor run of form through December and January so far. It's only natural that something like that happens because uh, it's so many games, playing every three days. Playing every three days. Everybody talked to an Emery came in about double sessions in the summer and it was really trying to... A bit too harsh, a bit too heavy. A, a bit of a culture change yeah. at the club from where people had maybe had it a bit easy before and he'll learn from that though he'll learn from that yeah. and the players physically should just get more used to it as it goes on mm-hmm. um, but hopefully yeah it's, it was also the first time he's ever managed a club with no winter break so oh, yeah. of course yeah, so yeah. I think maybe he didn't rotate it sometimes Enough. was a little bit handcuffed by injuries or suspensions but maybe didn't rotate over the, the especially the first few months of the season as much as he should have and then paid for it in December when the games were coming thick and well, fast if we get rid of the League Cup it helps a little bit well this is a thing yeah. awesome you would deprive Dan of winning a trophy this I'm, season I'm, 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 <laughs> you'll be starting rid of the Chaka trade next I'm as starting well. the lobby to <laughs> get rid of all League Cups that's I, nonsense that's, that's actually not a, not a terrible topic like Chelsea have done similar this year with Sarri who's in the similar position to Emery Arsenal played the early Europa League stage games like at home against Vorskla and Carabag mm-hmm. and they played uh, Blackpool and Brentford in the League Cup and Aubameyang and Xhaka and Torreira were playing and Socrates yeah. they were playing those games I don't think any big club really behaves like that. Dan, they're just jealous. <laughs> they are, yeah. They are just jealous because yeah. their club is not in the final like your club. They want some Carabao as well, don't they? They want all that Carabao. <laughs> what is Carabao? Uh, it's a Thai energy drink. It's ah. bad for you. Which I've never actually seen on sale anywhere. Well, maybe it's I only on sale in Thailand. Maybe, yeah. But if any, if you have any Thai listeners out there who can tell us exactly what Carabao is like and how it <laughs> tastes, let us know. Uh, what's gone wrong with Sven Mislintat? Because he's gone. He's only in the club for about 10 minutes. He's gone, yeah. <laughs> One year, goodbye. What, what happens? <laughs> I had even Gazidis left, firstly. Yeah. Obviously appointed Mislintat, appointed Raul Sanye from Barcelona, who's become the club's so-called head of football whatever that means um, shouldn't that be the manager uh, surely the manager is head no, of football what, who, then who sacks the manager no well the, the, uh, it's, it's how all, yeah, it's yeah. how all big clubs across Europe, are across Europe in a different operate. way but with, yeah. but with Gazidis gone I think there was a sort of a chasm that had to be filled and I think possibly there was a power struggle behind the scenes how much of a say does Ms. Lintat have how much of a say does Sanye have or let Ms. Lintat have if Emery and Ms. Lintat don't agree whose side does Sanye take um, it feels like Ms. Lintat perhaps wasn't listened to as much as he expected or given as much weight as he thought he would be given when he when he left Dortmund is, for is the club is this a, a bit of a bump in the road when he come to the restructure of the club yeah it is and I think it's a, 
as an Arsenal fan, it's very concerning because... Hey, you're getting Munchy. No need to worry. Well, apparently. Yeah. Uh, He's not done that great at Roma, though. No, he hasn't. Munchy. Well, Roma spent about £100 million in the summer and they're fifth, so yeah. it'll fit right in at the Emirates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, I think with Mislintat, that was like a... There was a lot of hope around that. And obviously, the Arsenal can't compete financially with Manchester City, with Manchester United, the fees that they can pay, the wages that they can pay. So how do you win the league? How do you get to that height again you have to Bribery. find cheap you have to well you, all that. <laughs> you, have, you have to find cheaper alternatives and younger players and develop them and then sell them on and it's, it's there's no coincidence that Arsenal went for Dortmund's transfer guy yeah. to try and go down that road mm-hmm. um, and now he's gone after a year so <laughs> who knows what we're going to do going forward uh, so it is another week another big game this time around like you say it is Manchester United in the FA Cup optimistic going into this one it's going to be a good game isn't it yeah excited. Like, Solskjaer's really taken the seatbelt off United they're just going to go for it <laughs> I know uh, yeah I don't see United sitting back and making it boring and I don't see Arsenal at home doing that either so I think given how Arsenal played at home against against Liverpool Chelsea Tottenham this season and given how United have played under Solskjaer it should be really really good I think it should be open and like a, a poor, I don't want to say this but like a proper cup tie ah, <laughs> get it in magic of the cup bingo um, for you two because Lewis has been talking for ages now we want to give him a bit of a break this Solskjaer revolution is it real? Or is it just a short-term bump, you know, when the new manager comes in? It's looking good. Yeah, I mean, I think United have got so many good players that they... I think Mourinho kind of did a good job of calling us all into thinking that they didn't have any good players and (laughs) his squad was rubbish and he had nothing to work with. And I think their performances since he left, every single one just makes him look worse and worse, the job that he was doing there. So I think if United can sort their defence out maybe bring a bit more quality to the midfield then next season they could have a real a real go at the title the question is whether Solskjaer will be the man to lead them to that whether he is actually a good manager or is this just a bit of a new manager bounce thing that's what it's I want an answer too, to Dan. it's too early to say isn't yeah, it because they've not had any early. tests you need, Tottenham. You need more time to, to, to see where yeah. it goes yeah they did beat Tottenham because David De Gea turned into an octopus they should have lost that game really in that second half if Spurs had finished any of the 12 chances that they had then yeah. they, they would have they would have won that game but I think the thing with Solskjaer as well is everyone's sort of saying oh well he was terrible at Cardiff so he can't possibly be a good manager <laughs> you know a lot of a lot of managers have had mm. jobs where they've not gone particularly well yeah. and then they've sort of turned the career around exactly now, yeah, yeah yeah he learned more he learned like, from it his was mistakes his, his mm. first job in management yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's well, gone away. Well, no, he'd been a would he been a Molde before? Molde, yeah. I think he'd been before. there before. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, doesn't this just look like the players have been restricted for so long, and now they've just been told? Yeah. Also, you go you, and enjoy yourselves. Yeah, exactly. The, you you can spot that most of those players they were sad. They were just depressed. Mm. They were not having fun. They needed a hug. It's yeah. Some some uh, human touch. A human touch. <laughs> Did you see Jose on being sports at the weekend? I heard about. It. I've not actually seen the clips. He confirmed that story. The one about him getting into the dressing room via the kit man. Yeah. He said he almost died. He did, yeah, because he was in one of the steel... He was in one of the steel kit cases. Yeah. And uh, at some stage, the UEFA officials came along because there had been rumours that he was going to try and get in or whatever. And so the kit man had to actually bang the kit closed. And he was like, oh, I'm claustrophobic. Uh He probably doesn't speak like that. Uh, And so he... uh, Yeah, he couldn't get out. Do you reckon there's any scope for retrospective punishment there? 
Let's well, hope so. My thing about this is that Frank Lampard was compl- was saying, "Oh, I've never known managers to." Oh, yeah. When he was talking yeah. about Spygate, I've yeah. never known managers to cheat like this. But he <laughs> saw Jose Mourinho climb out of a laundry <laughs> basket <laughs> once. Come on, Frankie. Uh, okay, quick prediction for this game then. Starting with you, Andrew. Uh, I think it's going to be decided on penalty shootout. Oh, I love replay. On replay. a replay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, replays done. I think it'll be a draw on Friday as well and go to a replay, yeah. yeah. Lewis, give me a positive outcome. 2 1 Arsenal. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> so, as we say each week, podcast at onefootball.com is where you need to send your questions in. And we've got one from all the way from Mexico. Anybody been to Mexico? Nope. No? I stepped over the border once at El Paso into Ciudad de Juarez. Juarez. Yeah. And you're still alive. I'm Look still at that. alive. I believe it was during one of their more dangerous periods. I didn't realize it at the time. I just... So you crossed the bridge? or I crossed that bridge. Wow. And when I was coming back, there was a sign that said, oh, welcome to Texas, the proud home of George W. Bush. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, it's a fact. That's something to be proud of. So anyway, uh, Rafael Canedo from, I hope I've pronounced that right, Rafael, has, uh, yeah, my name is Rafael. I live in Guadalajara, Mexico, and I'm a huge fan of you guys and my beloved Tottenham. Tottenham fan Mexico, that's interesting, isn't it? With Harry Kane sidelined until March and assuring we won't win anything again, that's true, how hard will it be to keep the Fantastic Four I didn't know they were called a Fantastic Four. Kane, Eriksen, Ali and Son. Maybe by Tottenham fans. Just by Tottenham fans. <laughs> Along with Pochettino. So how hard will it be to hold on to these? Anybody want to... That's the big problem for Spurs, isn't it? That, you know, as a club, they can they can say, um, you know, we're making progress every year, we're finishing in the Champions League. But how, how attractive is that to players to just say, well, our aim is to finish in the top four every year. We're not that concerned about winning trophies really because Pochettino always says doesn't he that you know trophies we're not going to live or die by winning the FA it's Cup weird it that, really he, that he hasn't they've not won a trophy and mm. he kind of throws away the cups and says oh I want to win one of the big ones I don't care about that they are playing in the League Cup quarter uh, semi-final tonight that's true yeah yeah. where um, they'll almost certainly get through to the final be beaten by Manchester City I think <laughs> the big thing that they've got to worry about is the stadium like they've, mm. they've spent now or they've sunk a hundred billion pounds into a five hundred million pound stadium it's, it's doubled in but the budget and if if they have got to raise funds for it somehow so if an offer comes in for Son for Ericsson for Kane can they afford to say no I mean Ericsson is continuously being linked with a move away but I mean this is going to be the best fucking stadium of all time it's <laughs> taken so long to get onto it uh, we'll see in 2025 <laughs> we have a second question do you think the Premier League's resurgence in the European picture is because top English teams uh, went instead of buying ridiculously overpriced players well except for City uh, but went for the top managers instead so is it down to managers or is it down to the players it's both I would say oh, okay uh, but the, the manager for sure is the most important uh, part. If if you're trying to build up something new, you you need to start for uh, a good manager. So, if I don't, I wouldn't say the PL's resurgence is still not quite there. Not quite. Not quite. Because uh, um, Liverpool get into the final isn't really a resurgence, it, is it? It's no, just, uh, no. Not with the way I, I don't see it that yeah. way. I, I expect uh, something like that from such a big club like Liverpool. It might happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, starting with uh, with managers is it's a uh, it's the way to go. It's the firm basis, let's say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, those three managers: Guardiola, Klopp, 
Pochettino. Probably the best three in the world, would you say? Like three of the top five. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, maybe is just outside the top That's five. That's a very good question. Allegri, I would have with, with those three, but yeah, I would say they're three of mm. the top five or so managers in the Jose's world. Jose's probably in there as well. What <laughs> year are you in? <laughs> we had a question last week, and I thought people would have responded to it a bit more, but we were thinking, what's the best football city in the world? Manchester. <laughs> Yeah, okay. That's, that's it's <laughs> all for me. I'm sorry, but it's Buenos Aires. Yeah. The amount of incredible yeah, clubs yeah. that you have. In, oh, in that's true, yeah. Such, uh, it's, it's just a city. There's a team other than Boca? Uh, uh, there's <laughs> so many. There's so many. You should read about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, staying on that side of the world, last weekend saw the return of competitive football in Brazil with the beginning of the state championships across the country. First things first, Andre. This is a yes-no question. Yeah. Is this the most complicated set of leagues to ever exist? Exist. Well, it might be. It might be. I mean, um, you're going against my yes-no concept. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's start with the Campeonato Carioca. No, I would start to explain oh, okay. to our listeners, uh, if they're not familiarized with the football in Brazil, yes. um, the, the season is basically uh, split in two parts. You have, uh, it starts in January with the uh, state championships, which uh, it could be translated to a regional league in Europe, imagine mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then uh, around the end of April, beginning of May, it starts the national league. And uh, we're... Uh, the, the state championships just started, and you want me to talk to talk about the, the Carioca. Well, let's start with Carioca because because it's the, the most complicated. It's the most complicated uh, because yeah. it's not just a it's not a straight league because there's the Tasha Guanabara and the Tasha Ta- Rio. Sir. Tasha. Oh God, I've been <laughs> fucking practicing it too. <laughs> okay, so there's the Guanabara and then there's the Rio. Yeah, so it's, it's your time to shine. English is, can, the, is the Guanabara Cup and the yeah. Rio Cup. If you can explain this and so Lewis and Dan understand the it reason, the reason there there is two cups, it comes uh, since the very beginning of football in in Rio, um, and and they decide to stick with tradition. So that's why you have the first round, which is uh, Tasa Guanabara, and then you have the second round, and the Guanabara Cup is uh, played with uh, groups and clubs only play the the other clubs in your own group and then you progress to a playoff you play the semi-finals and you play the final and then you have a champion the uh, Rio Cup is again groups but you play against everyone in the other groups and then the ones on top of each group progress to the semifinals and they play the final later. If you win the Guanabara Cup and the Rio Cup, you would assume that you would be crowned the Carioca champion. Makes sense. But it doesn't work <laughs> that way. No. It doesn't work that way. If you win both cups, you progress to the Carioca final. So you go straight to the final and the, the other four clubs with, more, with the most points joining the two tournaments they would qualify to that little tournament, like a final four, so they can decide the other finalist to play, you know, the one one who is already in the final waiting for the rest of the crew. So it's a bit complicated. <laughs> it's- 
Did, uh, you, like, did you get that? No. We're all sitting there with, <laughs> looking like dogs who've been shown a card trick, aren't we? I thought I had it, and then he kept going. It was. It's when he gets to the <laughs> Rio. It just, it's when he gets to the Rio bit. That's when I get. Yeah. That's when he loses me. Rio is quite. Is uh, it's just basically is is like a. Imagine you have you have a apertura and a clausura. Like you have in so many uh, South Americans and also in Mexico, South American um, t- uh, countries, um, you can say that uh, Guanabara w- works like uh, Apertura and the the Rio. It's kind of a Clausura with okay. different rules. And presumably, teams can get relegated from it. Yeah, because okay. you have you have also a second division in Carioca. You have second divisions in all state championships. Okay, Carioca, of course. So if you finish in bottom uh, places, you get relegated to the second division, mm-hmm. and there's also a second division going on right now so you can get promoted to the next year wow uh, I am of course as you know a committed Fluminense fan <laughs> but they just because you love the jersey oh, it's the jersey <laughs> just say no to that jersey <laughs> I did also I, I checked back through some photos recently of my time in Brazil and I saw uh, Fluminense play in the Maracanã so nice against who? Do you remember the team? Uh, yeah. I couldn't identify the other team. Was it was it a Serie A game or? Yeah, it was a Serie A. Okay, game. yeah, uh, but they're not one of the teams to look out for in Rio, are they? Uh, you should the big four. Uh, you traditionally they're going to be there because uh, football in Rio. I would say there's a bit of a crisis, and you have four teams that are way way better than the rest. Uh, if you you can see by the national leagues. Um, in the first division, you have four teams from Rio, but then you don't have a single team from Rio playing in the second division. So you see that the quality uh, between those top four and the rest is mm. gigantic. It just drops off. So uh, Flamengo uh, have been buying a lot of players and uh, they've been spending so much money. So everyone expects Flamengo to be the champion. Uh, it, they are favorites for sure. Uh, yesterday they drew against uh, against Resend, which is almost like a semi-professional team. Is this the goal that I showed you the overhead yeah, kick from? The overhead kick. It goal. Have you seen this so, overhead uh, kick? Uh, oh, yeah. it's it's sensational. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dorado scored a great goal. Um, so Flamengo are the the favorites uh, mm-hmm. to to win to win the, the championship. And then I would say after that you have Vasco and then Botafogo and then Fluminense oh god Fluminense uh, they're, they're, they're you're the West Ham your club is the West Ham <laughs> they're going through nice uh, through a financial crisis they don't have uh, a lot of money to invest they uh, have some problems with uh, with the law because they didn't pay uh, to some players in previous uh, seasons they also owe money to some other clubs so they, they're relying a lot on their academy which, what type of club have actually, I picked here which is actually a, a good academy uh, but uh, it might not be uh, good enough to, to climb the title okay elsewhere there is the Campeonato Paulista which is obviously the competition for Sao Paulo now Dan I know what you're thinking this is probably the same as the Rio one right that that was exactly what I was thinking wouldn't that make sense you read my mind right wouldn't it make sense to have them the same (laughs) no it wouldn't no it wouldn't because the who decides the rules of the state championships are the federations of the state Oh, and those federations are connected to the main one, which is the, the Brazilian Federation. Mm-hmm. But the Brazilian Federation don't rule over the local okay. federation. So that's why they have different rules. Okay, so how does this, Simple to explain. How does this one work? Because it starts off with four groups. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And they all play against each other. 
Like we have four groups. We have uh, the big teams are that are on top of each group. The four, the big four: uh, Corinthians, Palmeiras, Santos, and um, um, São Paulo. And they all play against each other, and then the top teams qualify for uh, a playoff, two games, quite standard, and then you play the final. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's not a bad one. Yeah. No, it's okay, quite simple. Oh, okay. So, the, obviously, the, the bit, there's a real big four in this one with Corinthians, Palmeiras, Santos, and Sao Paulo. Who yeah, that's, it's probably the most interesting uh, state championship because all teams are really competitive. Um, when it comes to investment and uh, the amount, the big budgets we can find on the on this state championship is by far the, the strongest one. And um, I would say that... Santos is a bit behind the the other three. They got São Paulo, which is like uh, it's it can go both ways. It can work really well, or it can be a, a fucking disaster, which mm -hmm. we still don't know. It's okay. really early to to, to say. His, his historical knowledge of Santos is not great. Uh, no, that's he said that Ronaldinho played for Santos, which definitely didn't ha didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this uh, was in his press conference. For my bad. My bad for this one um, it would be Palmeiras. Palmeiras. Okay. They're they're the reigning champions of, uh, of Brazil. Um, the second half of the season uh, with uh, Scolari was really really good. Yeah. And uh, and again uh, they're being quite clever in the market. Okay. They also have the money to do it. So. Um, then a quick word on the Campeonato Gaucho. Oh, Minero. It's, yeah, it, it, it's um, we should mention also the Gaucho and the Mineiro because they both have uh, very strong teams on on the. On both both championships in in the Mineiro we have uh, uh, Cruzeiro and Atlético, mm -hmm. and uh, in the Gaúcho we have uh, Inter and Grêmio. Ah, oh, of course. So it's always really interesting to see. If, there are a lot of uh, uh, teams from from third division. Some of them are not even playing national league, uh, but there are a lot of surprises on both uh, both uh, uh, championships. For instance, last year. Um, Inter were uh, knocked out on the quarterfinals of the, of the state championship. So Gremio won the, the final against uh, a team that were playing the second division. Nice. So it's always interesting to see. Uh, there's some upsets in these in this state championships. And uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's, it's not unusual to get uh, a team like what happened last season getting mm -hmm. to the final of the state championship. In the end, do all the state champions come together and have like a final tournament? No. Uh, oh. Some of them qualify, depending on some other rules, you can qualify to the Copa do Brasil and then play uh, Copa do Brasil. Oh, okay. But uh, there's not like a maxi tournament. No? No. Do you not have a Carabao Cup? No. Yeah. <laughs> no Carabao Cup. No. Strangely, right? <laughs> Need to get one of those. <laughs> right. Uh, Dan. It would be Brahma Cup. <laughs> Brahma Cup. Okay. You're in Chelsea Blue. Uh, yes, well, like Poznan Blue, actually. Like Poznan Blue, yeah. that is true. And you wanted to talk about Chelsea. Yeah, why not? Why not? Well, Alex Mosh mentioned them last week, and you don't often see Alex angry, but he was not happy with Sarri 
and how things are going on at Stamford Bridge. Are you similarly disappointed with them? Disappointed, no, because I always thought this would be a bit of a transitional season for Chelsea. Um, you know, he was appointed like two weeks before the start of the season. He inherited a player, a, a squad of um, Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte players, basically, and, and wanted to try and get them playing a very different style of football than they've been used to. They started the season pretty well, and and the results have been quite iffy um, since about November, haven't they? Really. So I don't think them finishing fourth, if they manage it this season, will be a disastrous season. Um, I think it would be quite a good season, in fact. But they were dreadful against Arsenal last week, weren't they? And that's, that's a worry. But that's what I want to do. I want to rewind to Saturday and the post-match press conference. Mm. Uh, Miguel Delaney of the Indo described it as one of the most remarkable managerial outbursts you will ever see in any Premier League season. Why was it so spectacular? <laughs> well, he did the whole thing in Italian, didn't he? Because I think he wanted to express himself a little bit better than perhaps he's able to in English. Um, and it was basically a big rant, I think, at the end. Um, someone, one of the journalists said, why aren't we able to ask more questions? And he said in English, what else do you want to know? Oh, <laughs> so he basically covered all bases there. I don't know if he'd um, if he'd a bit cranky because he'd not had a cigarette yet or, or what, but he was um, he wasn't happy at all, was he? And no, I don't blame him really. I mean, he had this line. It appears that uh, this group of players are extremely difficult to motivate. Mm. That's quite extraordinary for a coach to admit, isn't it? Publicly. Yeah. That's quite Mourinho-esque, isn't it? As well, but yeah. the amazing thing in the ramp was he. <laughs> one point and you say we don't need to discuss the tactics like well so basically you've done nothing wrong and it's all the players fault is it (laughs) how do you think the players are going to react to it Dan I don't know I mean I think he's got a a very solid point I think they're lacking in leadership I think they're lacking in a bit of fight I don't think they uh, some of them are technically good enough to take on his style of play Um, name names who's not good enough well most of them really oh okay (laughs) yeah Yeah, I you, mean, really, I mean, you really think it's that bad? Yeah, I, I think the squad needs a big overhaul. I think Chelsea's recruitment over the past few years has been pretty poor as well. Um, I mean, they bought Jorginho for him in the summer. I think he was by and large a good buy, but he's starting to look a little bit like you know he needs a bit more time to kind of settle. There's a lot of aimless passing going on with Chelsea nowadays, which is not really what Sarri wanted. It reminds me a lot of Pep Guardiola's first season at City. Actually, he inherited a team of players that weren't quite suited to him. Um, and it took a bit of time and, mm-hmm. and they scraped into the top four in the end and, and then the next season they, they got going when they actually had a summer buying players that he he, he needed. So That's the question, isn't it? Man City went out and bought the players that Pep Guardiola mm. said he needed for it to be his team. Do you, I don't know if Chelsea are going to do that. I don't the, think the, they are. The fact, that they, the fact that they would only get Higuain on loan suggests well, they to want, me... Well, he wanted him in the summer and they didn't sign him. Right, yeah. but it suggests to me that they, whoever is behind the club and eventually Abramovich, don't see Sarri as a long-term manager. I think mm. I think they might, but I think it's a trust thing. I think with Chelsea, they, I think they, they want Sarri to be a long-term manager, but they might not give him more control than just picking the team and training the team mm-hmm. whereas I think if you want a long term manager if you want someone to become a long term manager and you want to really buy into what they're want, planning to do at the club then you have to do more than that mm-hmm. you have to let them have some sort of say in transfers and that kind of thing and they have to give him time as well because he's yeah. a project manager isn't he so it's not it was never going to be the case that they would probably win the league in his first season they're, immediate, they're already like better than last season as well yeah exactly yeah. so they have yeah. improved 
So if right. they sack him this summer, you sort of think, well, what was the point in hiring this guy yeah, in the first place? Yeah, it doesn't make place? any sense. I would say with Sarri, is is a long-term thing. It's mm. like five years. But can Abramovich wait five years to see something That's happening? That's the question. What was I it don't think It's can. about changing the culture of the club as well. Like, yeah. It's been for a really long time since Guardiola was at Barcelona. This idea that Abramovich wanted Chelsea to play that attractive football, and it never happened. They they went for Villas-Boas, it failed. And then they went straight back to Di Matteo and then eventually Conte and playing sort of more dour, conservative football. Sorry, hasn't just got to make the team better with players that might not suit, but it's an entire culture change that has to go on there. Uh, myself and Dre were speaking briefly uh, yesterday and we were just talking about the deals that Chelsea have made over the past few seasons and the amount of money that they've wasted. Mm-hmm. You think of Bakayoko, uh, cost... Yeah. Can you remember like 30 odd million, maybe yeah. 40 million? Uh, they have Giroud, again, hasn't been as a particularly good success there, regardless of how useful he is. They've had um, Zappa Costa, Zappa Costa, Danny again. Drinkwater, Danny Drinkwater, yeah. Th- th- Danny Drinkwater cost about 20 30 million, Some, yeah, yeah, Ross, yeah. Ross Barkley, Ross Barkley, Barkley um, is the best one. <laughs> well, no, well, until you get to Morata, and then you remember this guy is absolutely useless. I think there's a case to be made for Chelsea having the worst transfer policy over the last couple of seasons it's astounding mm. we lost that Michael Amanalo didn't he last year yeah. he was like the head of recruitment and he and yeah it's been all downhill since then yeah, really you, yeah. you wonder if Hazard leaves as well they've obviously signed Pulisic already but you can't just expect him to fit into Hazard choose one of the best mm. five or six players in the entire world this season <laughs> yeah. well Alex's beef was that he was playing Hazard out of position yeah, but I think if he doesn't trust Morata and he doesn't, he obviously now he's got Higuain and he'll play, he'll play Hazard on the left again and play uh, Higuain up front. But if he, if Sarri felt like he couldn't trust Morata or Giroud, but could trust William, Pedro, and Hazard, then he had to figure out a way to play all three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think Hazard has suffered from playing. I think he probably quite enjoys Centrally. that role, doesn't he? Yeah, so much freedom. Yeah, he keeps mentioning that he's having one of his best ever seasons. I don't, I don't think his form has suffered. I just think things have started to go off the boil at the wrong time for the club, and it's coincided with that. People criticise him for playing Kante out of position as well, but I think that's actually quite works quite well, hasn't it? I, if he wants his holding midfielder to do what Jorginho does, and Kante mm. can't do it, yeah. So I think you either play him out of position or you tell the club to sell him, mm. and I don't mm. think anyone would. Isn't it odd? Sell and go look isn't it odd? You have a World Cup winning deep play a deep lying midfielder, and you're not playing him in his right position. I think mm. that's odd. Regardless but of Jorginho, it, that's it, Chelsea. He doesn't sport. offer the same options as Jorginho when it comes to start playing the build up. Yeah, the yeah, build up yeah. is way different. It, so yeah, I can I can understand the point of view of uh, of Sarri and also your point of view, saying that look at this guy. Mm. He was one of the best players during mm. the World Cup and, and all. Uh, but again, sadly, it's about the idea of the game. Is thinking of something on the long term, and for him, the game's got to be like that. And Jorginho is the man for that. And Chelsea that appointed him knowing that that's how he manages. Yeah. So, if if it, Kante is not going to be used in an optimal way, then they should have sold him. Or they should sell him and say Sarri's the coach for the next five or six years. Or they should sack Sarri and say we never should have gone down this road and we want someone who gets everything out of N'Golo Kante. But they're paying the price really for faffing about with Kante sacking him. He took like pre-season training. That's how long it took Mm. them to sack Kante. I forgot about that, but he did. Yeah, that is true. Um, There are ridiculous stories going around that 
Conte or Conte that Sarri is about to be sacked we can put that to bed that's not going to happen I, I think they'd be crazy I would be to be shocked that. If yeah, that yeah. I mean who do you get next <laughs> if that's the case it's Gus Hiddink seems to yeah. around Jose, Jose, Mourinho. Jose Mourinho I think he's managing China Avram Grant, Avram Grant, Grant still around Hiddink is Ghana he? yeah I think so yeah. Avram Grant I think he's coaching Ghana still yeah Ghana Carlos Quiros he's always, he's always <laughs> I think he's going to coach Colombia who Carlos Quiros is he yeah God, he gets some nice gigs, doesn't he? It's incredible. He's still coaching Iran at the moment. Yeah, but he's going to leave Iran for Colombia. Looks great. It's too. about the coffee, you know. He's in good shape. He's a man that takes Kiros. care of it. Yeah, he takes care of it. Fun body. fact um, his son went to the same school I went. Oh, yeah? Yeah, back in Portugal. Are you Carlos Cruz's son? <laughs> <laughs> Revelations. <laughs> Dan, you want to make a couple of final points mm. and you want to start with the bitching about Marco Silva. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be interested to hear Andro's take on this as well, actually. Oh. But um, 65 Premier League manage, uh, matches Marco Silva's taken charge of now. He's won just 21 of them. Now, admittedly, he's, man- he's managed, you know, some... Um, Hull. He's managed Hull <laughs> and Watford <laughs> and Everton. So, you know, you're not expecting a, a great... Um, Right. A great amount of wins from that, but I don't think that's a very good record. Well, is he it? was cast as the second coming of exactly. Sir Alex Ferguson at once. Exactly, yeah, yeah. but yeah. that's a lot of that was like fight that's back on Paul Merson being ignorant, right? <laughs> that's, well, but uh, my yeah. question is, at what point do we owe Paul Merson an apology for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not. I mean, Everton are in a real slump. Yeah, they're dreadful. Yeah, I mean that is the seventh best squad in the Premier League for my money. They're eleventh in the league. They're out of the League Cup. They might have a run in the FA Cup, but I doubt it. Uh, but to be honest, I, I, there are a lot of players at Everton that I, I don't see much quality. It, but uh, it's also uh, Marco Silva's fault because he, he was the one who picked the players. Mm. Uh, he started the season, it was a new project, and what he did so far is clearly not good enough. He is another manager that's in his first year, though. Yeah, yeah first Everton, time, it's Everton. the first time he had the... Uh, uh, like a preseason for for real, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, also that Watford as well. I don't know. But I've just looked at my watch, Dan. You've got time to make one more point. Okay. You've a choice between Leicester or Fulham. Leicester. We'll do Leicester then. Go with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Claude Puel when they appointed him last was about a year ago, something like yeah. that. I think it was, yeah. wasn't it? Just, it seemed baffling at the time. He'd done nothing at Southampton to suggest that he deserved another Premier League job. He got one, and he's he's been poor, hasn't he? I'm, I'm I'm here to defend Claude Puel. I can't understand why everybody hates him. Go on. I think his football's really dull, and I think that might be why everyone. He's blamed in human form, isn't he? Yeah, basically? he is. Yeah. He really is. But Southampton sacked him. Southampton finished, I think, eighth in the Premier League and yeah. reached a League Cup final, and then sacked him. You're Southampton. But ask what, Southampton fans what they thought of him, and they don't. They didn't like him but, at all. But, yeah. what, but what do you want to achieve? And Leicester this season, like you're but not going to win the league again. Like, I think it's, it's he's about, not he's it's not about underachieving. It's about how boring the football is. I think so. Well, they can't sack him now then because they just well, lost four three to Wolves. It was incredible. Here's what I think Puel's <laughs> biggest crime is. I mean, they, well, they beat Chelsea and City over Christmas. They've won yeah. once since then, which was against Everton, funnily enough. But his biggest crime was they played City in the quarterfinal of the Carabao. He played a weakened team. Mm. They got knocked out of the FA Cup by Newport County with a weakened team. Yeah. Like, what is what the point of being a club yeah. if you don't want to go for he reached a cup final with Southampton and they sacked yeah. him for it so oh, yeah, we got I'm not going to get into that trouble again <laughs> no way I'm going to Wembley again don't do that that gets me that gets me out of my job so you're not happy maybe we make this a regular feature Dan's rant corner <laughs> oh that's I love it let's do it you know it really grinds just, my gears if Claude Puel uh, uh, was a caller it would be beige yeah 
totally bitch, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, for Dan. Dan's seeing red. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Dan, Andre, and Lewis. We'll be back next week, but on Friday, post-transfer window, so we can talk about all that good stuff. In the meantime, you can listen to the back catalogue on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so is podcast.onefootball.com. I love you.